Tone Vendors, the Sound Designers Podcast. Here are your hosts, Timothy and Renee. Hello and welcome to Tonebenders. My name is Tim Muirhead and I'll be your host for today. Sadly, Renee can't make it out. You can catch us on Twitter at The Tonebenders and you can find me on Twitter at Azimuth Audio. Renee is at Renee underscore Coronado. So on today's show, we have a bunch of different things for you. We have an interview with Michal Frojic from Poland on experiments he did with various kinds of adhesive he used with contact mic. And uh, I was really surprised at how this turned out because I knew the adhesive would make a difference in how things sounded when they were recorded with a contact mic. But the differences were actually more drastic than I was expecting. We also have a segment from a longer interview with Shannon Mills. Shannon Mills is an amazing sound designer. You've definitely seen his work. He did the sound design for Thor, The Dark World, Captain America 1 and 2, The Amazing Spider-Man, and one that's in theaters right now, Big Hero 6, which I actually saw last night and really enjoyed. The sound is really awesome in that movie. As well as the big, huge scenes with lots of amazing sound effects. There's some real cool, subtle stuff in there that really adds to the comedy. The sound effects really make that movie in a bunch of scenes. I didn't get to talk to Shannon one-on-one, but last April, I was able to go to NAB with a press pass for Tonebenders, and part of the press pass gets you into all of the talks. And Shannon was part of a talk on the sound design for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Part of the rules of having a press pass is you can't play more than five minutes of any of the talks. So today, we're going to get to hear four minutes and 50 seconds of Shannon's talk at NAB. He talks about some really cool stuff and how he made some of the sounds in the Winter Soldier And uh, he's a very engaging speaker. Unfortunately, I can't play the whole clip. But first up, I want to announce a really cool contest that we're about to do. The people at Pro Sound Effects are giving us one hybrid library to give away to one of our listeners. If you're not familiar with the hybrid library, it is awesome. I'm actually a hybrid library owner myself, so I can attest to that personally. The hybrid library is full of awesome sounds and The amazing thing about it is that it's over $10,000 worth of libraries that you can get for $1,500. So it's an amazing deal, but it's an even better deal for one of our listeners because you will be able to get it for free, again, for free. So the catches are minimal. It is a single user license. So this can only be for uh, someone that's going to use this for their own work. If you're running a big 10 uh, edit suite facility, unfortunately, you'll only be able to install this on one suite only. But that's a minor drawback because not all of us are owning 10 suites. So it's going to be a super cool prize to win. It's super easy to enter. All you have to do is go to SoundCloud and search out the Tonebenders podcast, find this episode, and leave a comment. We'll pick a winner at random on January 1st. This contest is open to anyone around the world. So if you're uh, in Albania or if you're in New York City, feel free to enter. A couple other cool things about Pro Sound Effects. They recently put out a video interviewing the owner of Rumble Audio and the work he did on a film that takes place in Iceland. And it's really close to my heart because I traveled through Iceland recording and listening to some of the challenges that he had working with the sound from Iceland uh, reminded me of my trip. So I really like watching that video. You can see that at prosoundeffects.com. And if you want to order your own hybrid library, again, go to prosoundeffects.com and they can hook you up. Just to give you a little bit of history of Pro Sound Effects, when I was in NAB, at the same time I recorded the Shannon Mills interview that you'll hear later, I ran into both the owner, Douglas Price, and one of the uh, employees, David Forshee, and talked to them about the hybrid library and how they came about to offer it. So this is Douglas Price. I'm the founder and president of Pro Sound Effects. 
Started it in 2004, so uh, we're 10 years old now. We've evolved much more into a curated library. We have 130,000 sound effects. For instance, the hybrid library, which has been very popular, and I think, Timothy, you might even be yeah. a hybrid library owner. Sure. Uh, so that we focus on uh, freelance and independent media creators, and actually, David Forshi, who's our librarian, primarily, and also a hardcore sound designer himself, is really in charge of uh, listening to what people need in order to create that. Uh, so David, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about your background. Hey, this is David Forshee. I'm a freelance sound designer and I'm a librarian at, at Pro Sound Effects. We, we listen to our users and our, the sound designers and we wanted to get feedback from freelancers, the, the guys that are working outside of the big studios that don't have the, the huge libraries. Because really, if you're getting started, you know, you want a, a huge palette of sounds and, and where do you start if you're, you're just breaking away from a studio or you're, you're just out of college or whatever. Just Our answer was the, the hybrid library. And I can't imagine starting out um, and, and having to go out and record every single sound. I mean, you wouldn't get anything done. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great way just to get a huge palette of sounds immediately. We continually survey our, our users and, and just find out you know, what they're looking for and you know, what holes they're finding in the library. You know, we're, we're looking to continually improve it. One of our, our big um, initiatives has been improving the metadata because obviously this, this content is coming from, from different publishers and they all have their ways of doing the metadata. Um, they may have certain words for, for their categories and other publishers would have uh, different ones. One of our jobs is to, to put that all together and make it one cohesive. Yeah, we, we have a PDF form that we put together that we're distributing to our publishers to try to get them all on the same page. That's the part of what we're doing at, at Sound Effects is trying to find common ground and, and find nomenclature that works across these libraries. We're here to, to support you know creation of the best media possible you know with the best resources and if your your paint palette is limited then you're not going to be an artiste. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That was Douglas Price and David Forshee of Pro Sound Effects. And again, they are offering an awesome giveaway contest for us here. So the Pro Sound Effects Hybrid Library features the full Blastwave Sonopedia, a bunch of other stuff. It is a indispensable library. It also includes free updates for life, so you continually get new sounds from it. And one of our listeners is going to win a drive shipped to them with over $10,000 worth of sound effects. So please enter by going to SoundCloud, searching the Tonebenders podcast, and leaving a comment on the page for this episode. Okay, now we have an interview with Shannon Mills. Shannon is a really awesome and accomplished sound designer. Again, he worked on Big Hero 6. He worked on both Captain America films. He worked on Thor. He's worked with Steven Spielberg on Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. He's worked with many other A-list top flight directors, Pixar films. This guy has done it all. And he was in NAB to talk about the work he did on Captain America, The Winter Soldier. The weird thing about this clip that we're going to hear is while he was talking about The Winter Soldier, it was the exact same time that I was scheduled to interview Will Files about the work that he did on Rise of the Planet of the Apes. And you can hear my interview with Will Files in episode 22 of Tonebenders. So while I was interviewing Will Files, Shannon Mills was giving this talk on Captain America The Winter Soldier in another room on the other side of the Las Vegas Convention Center, which is huge. So I had to enlist uh, someone to help me out, and luckily I met Erica Baznicki at the conference, and she was able to record 
the Shannon Mills talk while I was interviewing Will Files, and we were able to get all of this to you. So once again, thank you very much to Erica Baznicki for helping me out with that. So according to the rules of the press pass, I can't play more than five minutes. So this is four minutes and 50-odd seconds. So here's Shannon Mills to talk about the sounds of Captain America Winter Soldier. When I first met with Joe and Anthony, the directors, they wanted to make a superhero movie that wasn't really about being a superhero. They wanted to make an action film, and he just happens to be a superhero on the side. They wanted to make it gritty, make it scary. For instance, there's obviously a million things going on. You know, you have the cars, the vehicles that they're driving. Cars are crashing. You have a guy with a robot arm who's punching stuff and <laughs> tearing stuff off of cars, and particularly the, the vehicles. Uh, we did the recording session with that out in the desert, rigged up mics on those vehicles. Um, as far as guns, we had a hard time finding gun recordings that were specific to like a city environment, for obvious reasons, probably. <laughs> so that was one thing that we recorded. We tried to find uh, locations that were safe, but had lots of concrete to try and give it that city atmosphere, like the movie Heat. You know, we were looking for something like that, like real guns in the city, what do they sound like? And um, so that was an adventure. Of, so I don't have an exact method, but I generally try to do the harder stuff first, because A, that's what Marvel will want to hear first. You know, they'll want to hear an early version of that. And also, once that's done, I can stop crying and be like, Okay, now we can finish. <laughs> I started with the the robot arm uh, of Winter Soldier because that seemed like the hardest thing to figure out and what it should sound like and how to get it to play because they 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 didn't want it to sound robotic necessarily. They wanted it to sound old or vintage. He had this arm installed in like 50s Soviet Russia. So it was basically welded out of scrap metal and, and made on the spot. So it was something we searched for for a while. It's like, you know, oh, that's too high tech. Or, you know, that's too low tech. And it was just built in a time before, you know, we had advanced robotics. Yeah. So it was like more primitive. And they wanted the sound to reflect that primitiveness. So when he's in close quarters with Cap and he's punching him with the arm, it, it's meant to sound very... Uh, rudimentary. Vehicles are always hard because it's up to the elements and mic placement and stuff, but they're very practical because you have the vehicle and you can record them as many times as you want. Guns are harder because ammunition is very expensive. After you shoot several hundred rounds, if you don't have it, then you're kind of out of money. Yeah. <laughs> but those are all practical things that are a little bit easier to catch once you get the mics set up. But things like robot arms and there's some very large ships that don't exist. Um, what do those sound like? And Falcon's wings, those don't exist. And you know, what do those sound like? For Falcon, we recorded a lot of uh, model jets. Um, they're actually quite big. They're like bigger than this table. We started there, experimenting with that. And so experimented with putting things on the tip of the jets that would make noise when they're cutting through the wind and stuff. Like, Try to like wink to his falconness in a way, you know. <laughs> but it was difficult. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where there's a, uh, a character 
who's become a computer, but he became a computer in the 70s. And so there are all these tape machines that construct his voice. That was pretty cool, getting to play with old tape machines and delays and try to construct something out that most people would probably not necessarily notice as sound design. There are at least 300 tracks total, and not that they're all playing at once, but for separation, you know, we got the robot arm on one pre-dub, and we got the guns, close guns on one, distant guns on the other, and we might have the bad guys' guns on one and the good guys' guns on the other for separation. The vehicles have their own pre-dubs. Initially, the tracks come in stereo or mono, and we go to the pre-dub stage, and then we mix them into, in this case, uh, planning for Atmos. We mixed in 9-1 pre-dubs, and we also had object tracks, which we pre-mixed as well. We had 24 pre-dubs total, 24 9-1 beds, basically, and then we had 16 object tracks. Oh, I wish I could play you that whole talk because Shannon was really interesting and shared a lot of cool information. But alas, I cannot. But five minutes is better than no minutes, I guess. Now we are going to pass it over to an interview I did recently with Michal Frojic. Michal is a supervising sound editor based out of Poland and works as the head of the audio post department for Alvernia Studios, which appears to be one of the coolest places in the world. The design of the buildings that make up the facility look like they would be at home on a moon colony in a 1950s sci-fi movie. It is super cool. Go to alvernia.com to see what I'm talking about. That's A-L-V-E-R-N-I-A.com. Michal also runs a great sound blog at soundmineeffects.com. After listening to the Tonebenders episode 21 with Ann Krober, where Ann talked about her struggles to find the perfect contact mic adhesive, Michal decided to do some tests on his own to find some answers. He tried out a bunch of different contact mics with a bunch of different adhesives to figure out if there was a magic combo for great-sounding contact mic recordings. I interviewed him to find out the results. You have the Barkus Berry as well as two Jez Riley Frenches, one that's actually a hydrophone and one that's a contact mic, and then the Aquarian Audio with uh, you can order an attachment for it that's a little suction cup yeah. that ma- kind of turns that hydrophone into a contact mic. Yeah. So I guess your process was you hooked them up to the same surface yeah. and then uh, recorded them with the different adhesives? Yeah. Okay, and the adhesive you used were which? Uh, the first one was BlueTac, which I used before. Uh, before I was using free and double-sided tape. And I also found on the net different types of uh, beeswax. The first one was uh, considered for artists, I think. It's, it's a granulated one. And the second one is kind of plasticine for kids. It's a natural beeswax colored. What was surprising that it gave really different sounds. I figured that the sounds would be colored a little bit, but the differences are actually quite drastic compared to what I was expecting. Yeah. Yes. So just to review, you've got a blue tack, which for anyone that's not sure, it's you can get it at like dollar stores and stuff. It's a blue, almost Play-Doh-like, but it's a little stickier and it is people use them to put posters on the wall and to yeah. fix rips and it's just kind of this all-purpose putty. Yeah, it's, it's it has this great advantage that it doesn't leave any oil marks on the surface, which is important when you're recording uh, something expensive or <laughs> something fragile. Yes, yeah, it will leave no marks behind. So you've got the blue tack, yeah. double-sided tape, and then two kinds of beeswax. Yeah, exactly. One that's for artists and one that's for kids playing. Sure. Okay, and then. 
So why don't we listen to the Milk Blender is a little handheld device uh, that reruns on batteries, correct? Yeah, yeah it's IKEA. Yeah. There's a picture on your blog. Yeah. We'll post the blog address up on our website as well. And uh, so we can hear that. We'll hear with the Aquarian audio, hydro, Aquarian hydrophone first here. Let's yeah. play that. Okay, so that's, that's a good sound. It's a little bit muddied. So let's try now comparing that with the JRF hydrophone. Yeah. Okay, so it seems like there's a little more detail in that one compared to the uh, Aquarian audio hydrophone. Would you agree with that? Yeah, the, the Aquarian sounds a bit muddy and distorted. Okay, so now we've got the same uh, milk blender with uh, the blue tack on the Jezreilly French contact microphone. So that one's getting a bit better. We're getting a little more detail there. Yeah. And then we will go now to the Jezreilly French with the, the granulated wax. Okay. seems like we're getting a little more clear with each one almost. Yeah. yeah. The, the last two are pretty similar though. And now let's try the modeling wax here. Let's try that. That one seems to have a lot more high end in it than the yeah, other there's, one. There's a I would say by far the best so far. And now we are going to go to the Barkus Berry. So this is Barkus Berry with the blue tack. Okay, that one's starting to sound a lot more full. The mids are way less muddy, but it's still got the high ends in there. Yeah. So now the Barkus Berry with the granulated wax. Okay, I think that I might have actually liked the blue tack a little bit more than the granulated wax. But yeah, that's, that's interesting not... that it, on this one, Mike, the blue tack gives tighter lows. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so then finally with the Barkus Berry, we have the colored wax modeling. Does the kids yeah, wax? Yeah, I'm yeah. getting confused by my waxes yeah. here. <laughs> here we go. I'm just going to quickly play, we're going to stick with the Barkus Berry yeah. here. I'm going to play the blue tack quickly and then go straight into the uh, colored wax so you can hear them right after each other here. Okay, now I'm going to switch. Yeah, so that's, they're pretty different. And then if you go all the way back to the Aquarian Audio, and play that, uh, it's going to be quite different. It sounds almost like a completely different uh, beast there. Now, it could still be useful because it sounds almost like a force field, <laughs> but uh, it's a totally different sound. It doesn't have the tightness that the other ones have. 
So, but that one is with zero adhesive, right? That's just the suction cup that comes with the Aquarian Audio, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, did you put a drop of water in the suction cup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just water inside the cup. Yeah. So basically, depending on what you're going for, it seems like the Barkus Berry and the Blue Tack kind of worked out the best in that one. But the Barkus Berry seems to have a much better frequency range than the Jez Riley French. Would you agree with that as well? Yeah, definitely. Sometimes I, I find that I like recording uh, with different types uh, of mics at the same time, like using shotgun, contact mic, uh, or uh, induction coil. And sometimes just the contact mic recording is uh, a bit too, uh, too dark, too dull. Using uh, the beeswax gives you the, the very high, uh, very, very wide uh, frequency range, which is, uh, th this recording is interesting by itself. The blue tag is uh, tight, but then the beeswax gives much more details. Finally, just a quick test that I did today. I have the Trance Audio contact mic. It's, I have their stereo contact mic. It's a mic. great mic. Yeah. yeah, they're really cool. And I, since it's stereo, what I was actually able to do for these tests was connect two at the same time. So you're hearing the exact same recording Great. from two different mics. This is the air vents on the side of a, a receiver for my stereo. Uh, so first up, we will have, uh, this is the trance audio with a wax adhesive. Now, this isn't beeswax. This is a, a wax uh, that I've sourced myself, and, but it's very similar to beeswax. It's, uh, it's clear. So let's give that a try. And then again, this is the same performance. Now this is the same microphone, the other half of the stereo pair, and this is with the blue tack. Okay, now let's go back and forth on that because it's such a quick sound, it's hard to tell without a space. So I'm going to just kind of toggle back and forth between those as I play them. And then back to the... So yeah, so they're they're actually quite different in uh, what you're getting there, considering it's exact same performance. I think that I personally like the blue tack again on that one. It's got a little more full, and it's getting a little more of the ring of the metal in there. Um, and then the same performance there on the uh, metal frame of this quarter. So this time there's one with double-sided tape, and then one with... Oh, do you want to tell me how you found out about the window tape? Uh, yeah, the Cole Anderson commented on Facebook that he's using uh, something else. It's a window tape, which is sold in... Uh, where did you bought it? I just got it at a hardware store locally, and it seems to be used for, at least in Canada, maybe mm -hmm. in warmer countries, it's not like that. In the winter, if you have old windows, uh, mm -hmm. the air can get through them easily, and you can... I uh, use this window tape and plastic wrap to kind of reinforce your window so the cold air can't mm -hmm. get through them as much. So it's a very thin double-sided tape that you put along the inside frame of your window, 
and then you stretch plastic across the window, mm -hmm. like clear, it's special plastic, but essentially saran wrap. And you can stick it to the double-sided tape so that the wind can't get through your window. It's it's quite thin and, and it's easy to work with. Does so it leave uh, the, any marks uh, on the surface? It's not perfectly clean, no. That's the, the downside of it. It, it wasn't, it didn't leave a huge amount of mark. On the metal frame, mm -hmm. it left nothing. But on my washing machine, it left, like I had to kind of left a residue. So that's a very good point because when I did these tests, when I used the wax on my contact mic, it actually left like a, a, a bit of a oil on the contact yeah. mic and it wouldn't stick as good to the tape when I did the test with the tape because there was that uh, oil residue from the wax. So if you want to test them both, go tape, then wax, not wax, then tape, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so let's hear uh, the contact mic with the double-sided tape. And then the contact mic with the window tape. The sound between the two is actually pretty different. I'm going to, let's A-B it here. So we'll play the uh, double-sided tape quickly, and then I'll switch it over without talking in between to the other one. switch so the window tape seems to be a, a bit thinner it's quieter as well yeah. but uh i guess i think the blue tack might be my favorite from this round dun 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 did you have a favorite there? Yeah, I think Blue Duck is the, the most universal one. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the wax has interesting texture in highs, but there's no lows. I think if I would record uh, something that I would like to pitch down, I would use, uh, I would go with the wax. Yeah, so quickly, Blue Tack seems to be the most universal, but if you're wanting to pitch stuff down, you want to record as many highs as you can, so when they pitch down, you still have that detail. Yeah. The colored wax was good for that. So I don't know if we've actually come to any concrete conclusions with all this, <laughs> yeah. other than that the they, there's a lot is, of different... is experiment. <laughs> Thanks a lot for doing this test. This has been really interesting because it's one of those things where you kind of understand in theory that, yeah, the adhesive would obviously make a difference, but until you or I or someone sits down and actually does the test, you don't really know what the differences are going to be and how drastic they're going to be, how minuscule they're going to be. Yeah. I think it's interesting that what we found out is there is no solid answer. We tried uh, at least four, five different adhesives, yeah. and basically they all perform differently based on what we were attaching them yeah. to. So unfortunately, there is no definitive answer, but at least we know that, you know, experiment, different things work better with different sound sources, and different microphones react different to different adhesives. So yeah. the window tape was, I think, uh, $3.99 for like a lifetime of it for <laughs> the amount you have to cut off for a contact mic. So getting that is nothing to just throw in your uh, field recording kit. The blue tack you can get at a dollar store yeah. where I'm from at least. So, and enough again, almost for a lifetime for contact mics. So, yeah. you know, you're up to $5 and you've got two different types. The double-sided tape from 3M would be what, maybe $5. So now you're up to $10. The same with and, beeswax, uh, you can use it forever because it's... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... For $12, you've got five different kinds of uh, contact adhesive, and you can just uh, play around and figure out what works best with yours. So basically, all you need to do now is just schedule yourself some time with whatever you're trying to record. So you can try it with all the different types, figure out what works best with your mic on that sp specific sound source, 
and then you're uh, off to the races to hopefully get some great recordings. That is a cut down of the talk Michal and I had. Uh, we did some other tests that didn't come up with Blue Tack as being the best sound. Each test we did came up with different answers and different questions. Uh, I didn't want to play it all because, to be honest with you, it's better to just go to his blog and listen to the sounds yourself uh, rather than listen to us yammer on about it. But it's really interesting to hear how the different adhesives affect things differently. And basically, as we said, the best answer is just to kind of get all the adhesives you can get your hands on and try it out and give yourself enough time to figure out what works best in each situation. So once again, I want to encourage you all to enter the Hybrid Sound Library giveaway because it is awesome. I very much wish I didn't already have the Hybrid Library so I could enter myself and try and win it. Uh, it's an awesome library full of amazing sounds and lots of them. It is uh, definitely worth entering to get. If you enter and don't end up winning, please feel free to go to prosoundeffects.com and look into purchasing it yourself. You have until January 1st, 2015 to enter. We will be doing the draw then randomly. The contest is open to anyone around the world. So please go to SoundCloud, search out Tonebenders Podcast, subscribe to us on SoundCloud if you want, leave a comment on the page for this episode. Do it now. Okay, thanks for listening. Once again, we want to thank Stacey DePass for letting us bend and twist her voice in the bumpers. Please uh, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Go to ToneBendersPodcast.com for more information. We look forward to getting the next episode out to you. We have some really cool stuff planned for the future, some more contests, some more giveaways, some more cool interviews, some more experiments, some more lots of stuff. So please stay tuned. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to ToneBenders. You can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. If you listen on iTunes or Stitcher, please write us a review while you're there. To support the show, go to ToneBendersPodcast.com and click through our Amazon link or leave us a tip. You can also download and listen to our entire show archive there and leave a comment on our site or on SoundCloud. Keep up to date by following at the ToneBenders on Twitter or find ToneBenders Podcast on Facebook and YouTube. Email us with your questions and ideas at info at ToneBendersPodcast.com.